Hey, this is It's All Downhill, and I'm Christy Brannon. Today, I'm talking to my friend Martin Morrow, a comedian in LA. You should definitely check him out at Martin M. Morrow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can see some really funny sketches he's been posting and get some updates on stand-up when he's performing. I'm going to put this all in the show notes for you. For now, just enjoy. Um, all right, what's up? Nothing much, you know, just, uh, you know, doing the whole having to live in quarantine thing, you know, yeah. as everyone else is, uh, what else, uh, doing a lot of writing. And That's good. Apparently, uh, stand up or otherwise? Uh, both, mostly otherwise. Cause I'm, I'm like weirdly okay with not doing stand up right now. Really? Yeah, it's it's funny because earlier this year I told my mom like, yeah, I'm thinking about taking a break. She was like, why? Why would you do that? I was like, oh, just you know, I really don't feel the same motivation. And then mm. you know, this happened, so I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that was. You took a break. You're taking yeah. a break right now. God helped take this break. Hmm. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it is what it is. So there's some days where I'm like, fuck, man, I you know miss miss you know the validation of others and. Come, I think it's really more so like being around people and not having to wear a mask in public. But yeah, ooh, yeah. remember talking to people? Yeah, yeah. God, that was good. Ugh. But you know, we make do. A lot of drinking, a lot of smoking weed. So. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping your health up—that's what's right? important. Is, yeah, you know, if 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 the corona doesn't get me, then the uh, copious amounts of <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like which one is worse mm, probably corona so yeah, right you so, might as well just stay inside yeah that's what i'm saying uh all right well let's start with um like where kind of where you're at now like what do you what do you do what are you doing in la like i know you i know you as stand-up but is that kind of like your whole thing or do you do other stuff that I don't see you do or what's your end goal I, I do a lot of different things uh so mainly I'm a copywriter like that's my main money making gig mm-hmm. uh I also write a lot of pitch decks and write a lot of scripts and inner contests for stuff um I do a lot of commercials so I have one that just apparently aired during um the NFL draft so everyone keeps like tweeting me and stuff like oh I just saw your commercial nice well, yeah. So I'm always like kind of weird about that kind of stuff, though. About like I don't, I'm, I don't know how to take a compliment well, mm-hmm. or even some sort of acknowledgement. So, uh, so this is it's it's kind of I don't want to say overwhelming. I'm I'm very happy for it, but I, I have to be like, yeah, it, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's very hard to just be like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of like. Uh, Oh, well, you know, I'm just a piece of shit that's worthless and I <laughs> I lucked into this on accident and I shouldn't have been me. They thought I was someone else. Yeah. <laughs> Which has happened before. Not not in the but like <laughs> Well, if you still got paid it counts. Yeah. I mean it, it wasn't a commercial, it was a stand up show where uh they're like, Hey, are you free to da 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 in New York? It was like in New York. Mm. And I was like, uh I'm are you sure you met me? Like, oh no, it was for, uh, I think Monroe, like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Similar name. Monroe guy. today. Yes. So that makes sense. Yeah. That guy. That guy. Uh, wow. Okay. That's cool. So how did you like, you, well, you're from Alabama, right? 
Yes, I was born in Texas. Where you grew up or did you grow somewhere else? Uh, So I lived in Texas from one to five and then five to like 21. I was in Alabama. Cool. And then where'd you go? Uh, Then I was in Chicago. Well, I went to New York for a little bit for like six months and then back to Alabama for like the rest of the six months. And then I was in Chicago for about seven years. Did you always know that you wanted to do stand up or were you doing other stuff? But no, I, I didn't think it was possible to do stand up. Like I would watch it on television and it, it seemed like, oh, that's, that must be a thing you have to go to college for. Or, you know, it just never really crossed my mind as a thing you could literally do. Um, mm. I guess there was a kid in, in, who I was like in band with in eighth grade and he would steal jokes from Dane Cook and um, Mitch Hedberg and would say them at the lunch table. And everyone was like, yo, this kid's a genius. Where'd he come up with this stuff? <laughs> and I think one day I was watching um, like their, their Comedy Central Presents or whatever they're called back in the day. I was like, oh, that's, that's Scotty's joke. What's it? How are, how are they saying it? And then- Dane Cook's a joke thief. He stole this from a middle school child. <laughs> that's the only explanation. Yeah. So yeah, I never really thought of it as a thing. And then I think- uh, uh, in college, uh, I couldn't play like an instrument outside of trombone. Um, and I was writing all these songs and stuff. And, you know, no one wants to hear someone play a trombone in an open mic. Yeah. So I was like trying to accommodate of like, oh, what's some like, I'm writing all this music. How could I make and it's like funny, but how could I put that on and add a buddy who played guitar and we started doing like things together so I think that was my freshman sophomore year in college and that's when I kind of started getting into uh-huh. so you were like you were one of those musical comedy people first yes yeah, so I was like in a duo and we would do kind of like a sketch uh mm-hmm. stand-up hybrid of sorts uh so a lot of like uh because he was a big white dude so we do like a lot of like racial humor and a lot of musical comedy and stuff and uh, and we, you know, we still, I think the last time we played together was maybe 28, 17, 18, something like that. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's pretty, I mean, that's pretty recent. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. When did you move to LA? I moved here in the fall of 2017. Oh, okay. That's pretty recent too. Do yeah. you like it? How is it? How is it for you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big adjustment. Uh, cause it's, I mean, this is like the, the, for lack of a better term, the epicenter of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's, it can be overwhelming at times of, you know, wondering if you're doing enough, if you're talking to the right people. And I'm, I'm not like really a big social butterfly type of dude. Um, like I, I got my core circle of people I can kind of interact with, but I, you know, I try to keep to myself a lot and that's mm-hmm. not really something <laughs> that's supposed to do in that's comedy. not very la <laughs> yeah it's, I'm, I'm doing the opposite uh i don't know and a lot of my friends are like lunatics too so it's, <laughs> so it's well, like, yeah. Yeah, having to deal with their shit and then, <laughs> okay well i guess i can go to an open book now <laughs> oh okay uh wow how's so how's that working out for you here <laughs> with uh crazy friends and not talking to people like now I bet you're very happy because we're all stuck inside yeah for the most part <laughs> um I mean there, there's you know there's like I said there are a lot of people I still miss seeing on a semi-regular basis mm-hmm. um but uh I, I and, and I think like being kind of reclusive 
it, I don't want to say it got me used to all of this of the quarantine or whatever, because I think that's kind of cliche now. Yeah. Um, but it, it's different. Like I, I still like going outside. Like I miss, I miss being able to just go somewhere and sit down and drink and there are people who are there. Um, but I, I ne- don't necessarily miss having to force a conversation that I really didn't have. So I'm glad the small talk is done. Yeah, I wonder if people will come out of this just being like, I don't remember how to do that, so I'm not going to. I hope so. I hope <laughs> if there's anything we can achieve from this, it's that small. Like, I, I was on um, some dating app, and, like, I think the the next – I matched with a girl, and the next day she was like, oh, call me. And I was like, okay. And then she was like, hey, get on FaceTime. And I was like, I really – don't want to do that <laughs> kind of like pressured me into getting on FaceTime with her mm-hmm. and then uh and then like I think the call got disconnected it didn't really like I, I may have just hung up or something um but <laughs> she you you hung up on her <laughs> yeah but she kept calling me so I was like okay this is not gonna work this is too much for my oh energy. my god yeah. you're like ma'am please are you aware that none of us are showering <laughs> I think we've all agreed like we're just not gonna look good like I just (laughs) she was like go put a shirt on I was like I don't know you I'm in my house I don't want to put a shirt on (laughs) this is not this is not for you um okay wow so let's see like so one of the things when you emailed me you said that what kicked off some of where you are now is that when your dad died so when was that in all that this was, uh summer of 2010 so where did you live at the time i was in alabama at the time okay uh, I moved back home i was so i was in new york earlier that year interning for ugly betty and the, oh, cool. uh, yeah so i was uh, interning on the fourth season and it, it's funny because like my intentions were uh oh you know i just did this internship uh i could become a production assistant make a decent living got all these connections now uh, eventually you know maybe move up to director or whatever um so I, I i thought that i was kind of under the impression of like i'll go home for the summer then move to new york and yada yada, yada. um and then you know things just didn't turn out that way uh my my grandparents went into debt that was kind of like the first um hit that we took uh and then my dad so my dad my whole life had issues with like drugs and alcohol abuse mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, it, it takes a, it puts a beating on your, on your body and, uh, especially like, you know, cocaine and crack and stuff like that. So he, uh, had, uh, a a severe heart attack. He managed to get himself to a hospital and they were like, ah, no, you're fine. And then, (laughs) because you know, they don't, a lot of hospitals don't listen to black people um that's true very true yeah uh it's scary um so then he went to another hospital was like oh you had a severe heart attack and they did the open heart surgery and everything and we thought he was gonna make a full recovery and you know then next thing you know i'm getting a call from my stepdad of all people he's like i'm so sorry i was like what are you talking about you know ran i remember running to my dad's hospital room and saying his lifeless body um and uh yeah it was so that was kind of like tough and i think what really what really set everything off i that night i went to an open mic i think that wednesday i me and some friends rode to atlanta to go to an open mic 
Um, so I didn't like take the proper amount of time to grieve. Mm -hmm. And this is something I didn't even know till God, like 2017. Uh, when my mom was like, yeah, you never took time to grieve over that. Um, cause I just kind of jumped into, I'll just do more stand up. I'll, you know, laugh, yeah. laugh it through. Uh, and, and then it was at his funeral where I'm hearing from all these people he went to AA with and CA with and, you know, things of that nature, and, you know, from his frat brothers and people I had never met. And they were just saying like how much he loved me and how proud of me he was. And, you know, him saying, you know, I think I did like some, uh, like quick, I was in the line of Jimmy Fallon skit. And he was like, he told all of his friends to watch that and stuff. So hearing how this guy who my whole life, I kind of like pushed off or rejected or saw as like, he's an addict, he's never going to change or whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, now hearing all these stories of how much he loved me and did care about me uh, and was watching me basically. Uh and now that's gone. Uh, for me, it felt like, oh, no one, I, I took away this love that I was trying to, that he wanted to give me. Mm -hmm. I shunned it. So why should I reciprocate that for anyone else? I couldn't even do it with my dad. So that's what kind of started it. Wow. So that's tough. I, and I feel like I can relate to that where like, I feel like a lot of comedians just like, instead of processing emotions are like let me just tell this joke and sometimes it's very sad to watch on stage <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that like motivation to just like do stuff and not think about it instead of deal with it like so you did stand up in Birmingham or in Alabama for a little bit mm -hmm. and then when did you move or did did you kind of just throw yourself into it to the point where you were like I'm gonna move to Chicago um, so I, I think it was around November, December of that year, I was kind of making plans to move back to New York. Mm -hmm. Um, I was working two jobs in Alabama. I was like a telemarketer and early in the morning I would do radio stuff, uh, for Roy Wood Jr. And uh, his morning show on 95.7 Jams. I don't know. I'm plugging it as if it's <laughs> like, like, really this, <laughs> like, cool. I'll you can probably find it on the internet now. Eh, who knows? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I had wanted to move back to New York. I think I took one trip out there and, and uh, a friend was like, yeah, move here. You can live with me in Brooklyn. Uh, the rent here is like a thousand dollars. And then uh, I, I took, I got some advice from some of the, some, some other comedians. And they're like, Oh, you should, you know, you do improv. Uh, you should do Second City, move to Chicago. So mm. I talked to a friend who had lived and who had moved to Chicago the previous year, and he had a room open for like seven hundred dollars or eight hundred dollars. I was like, okay, I could probably stretch out. I think I had maybe a thousand dollars to my name. I was like, okay, I could stretch that out more in Chicago than I could in New York, yeah. and figure it out. So that's kind of what motivated the move. So I moved in uh, January third, two thousand eleven. So wow. Did you drive or did you fly out uh, there and just sort of arrive? I, if I remember correctly, I think I took an Amtrak train. Like I <laughs> oh, yeah. Giant, I guess you can do that. Yeah. Yeah. I just had two giant boxes and all my suitcases and then it was <laughs> gone. Dude, the train is tight going from anywhere in Indiana to like 
Chicago on the train is the best. Yeah. Uh, it, it takes I, about as long as it takes to fly now. Yeah. At a good time. They, uh, they keep emailing me. I haven't been on Amtrak <laughs> since then. Still? They still email me like, hey, check it in. New deals. I'm like, I don't want it. I'm buying like, it. I don't live there anymore. Yeah. Uh, wow. Did you feel like you were on a murder mystery as you took the train all the way up or... <laughs> I think I just slept a lot. So <laughs> if, if I wasn't a murder mystery, it was I was definitely not the main character. You were just a side character that they was ran that? past. Yeah, was I, was like the, I was the guy who gets pushed out of the way. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa, what's all that about? I don't know. Better go get a sandwich before the dining cart closes. Yes, that is, I hear about the murders at the end of the ride. <laughs> In, they close everything off. You're like, I actually don't care i'd like to leave <laughs> while well, he's like detailing things yeah. um okay so you lived in chicago for like six years five six years uh seven years kind of like on and off between 2011 to 2012 but uh consistently 2012 through the remainder of uh 2017 damn so what'd you do what'd you do while you were there like uh when i initially moved there i was doing stand-up um i worked as a forager <laughs> so i would have to go into like yeah i would go into like random ass forests and uh would help pick vegetables and then like try to find stuff at uh like w like chinese markets and then sell them to these high-end restaurants wow um, what yeah, yeah. so I, I did that for a couple of months and then i worked at a, a what was it jamba juice for like three weeks and I was very bad at that job mm. uh, and, then, <laughs> uh, and then I was a trolley driver and tour guide wow yeah when did you start doing copywriting that started in 20 technically 2018 but I was I was doing I used to uh, help produce this show mm -hmm. this uh, comedy show called comedians you should know um, and I would have, I was like the guy who would have to input everything and send out the email blast and stuff like that. So, so you're like, uh, I know how to do this. Pay me now. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So what, like, what's the comedy scene like in Chicago? Did you do a lot of stand up, or were you mostly doing, did you do second city while you were there? Yeah. So I, the first class I took at second city was the summer of 2011. And then, uh, and then I, so then I, I'm, Start, I started dating a girl in Alabama and I was like, all right, I'm going to move back home and make this work or whatever. Oh no. Yeah. Right. It was very stupid of me to try that and think that. Um, so I, I moved back home and I was there for six months and it was like miserable because her, her parents are racist. Um, uh, cause she was, she was a white, you probably picked that out from Alabama. Right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I got a call. I was, I started working as an accountant for this uh, like evil energy company. Uh, mm -hmm. I like work with coal mining and stuff. And I got a call from one of the producers at Second City. And they're like, hey, we were wondering if you'd be interested in doing this show. And and like my whole family was against it. They're like, no, stay here. You got, you got this good job. You're driving a BMW. You don't need it, blah, blah, blah. And I just, I was miserable. I hated everything about being there. Uh, so yeah, I, I ended up just, you know, packing, packing a couple suitcases and flying back and, and that was really it. Stuck it out. 
Wow. So wait, so you moved to Chicago for a little bit and then you went back to Alabama and were like, I guess I'm going to be a normal person with a normal life. And you're like, actually, this sucks. Yes. And then you went back. Yeah. Cool. And then when, so when did you, when did you start doing stand up? And then, and when did you start doing like commercials and that kind of stuff? And like, why did you decide to move to LA finally? So I started doing stand-up initially while in college, uh, but in Chicago, I, I, like, I think the day or second day I was there in 2011, I started doing it. Um, and I, I did okay at first, and then uh, I, I just started doing this character called Farty Marty. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, everyone loved it. Just they, real they, highbrow shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, classic. Um, yeah, people like the character more than me, so <laughs> I was kind of like, that's not good. That's not what I wanted. I don't want to... Oh, no. Yeah. They're like, hey, uh, we want to book you, but can you do Farty Marty? I'm like, oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so it was kind of like a good thing to leave and kind of reinvent myself and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that, that kind of led into the Second City stuff, and the Second City stuff led into the commercials. And so I think it was around, I mean, I think it was around like 20... 13 2014 I started doing some commercial stuff mm-hmm. and that was also around the time that I was like I want to move to LA I, I my intentions were to leave a lot sooner um but just either good things or bad things would happen and I'd end up stuck for longer so. right yeah that's so did you go all the way through the second city stuff or what did you just do like some of it and then be like all right now I'm I'm done no, I did. Uh, so they, they used to, and now it's called like Diversity Co. or something, something weird. Mm-hmm. But I did the uh, like the We Got Black People Too shows for a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, yeah. So I did like six of those, and then I did Conservatory. I did the Bob Curry Fellowship, which was like this scholarship to, uh, you know, where they just had like all the people of color, you know, uh, gender non-binary lgbtq plus folks uh in in a group of 16 and we would you know put on a show and all that jazz and managers and agents and executives and all that would be there for this two-day event essentially and that's cool yeah and then uh from that i got tour co so i was or it was like this weird combination for me getting hired to tour with second city Mm -hmm. uh because there was a, a a girl who uh, excuse me, a, a woman who had an issue with a guy who was working. They were touring together. He wrote a scene where he had a Confederate flag in it. He was a white guy. And like the, but the purposes of the scene was to make fun of mm. you know, Confederate people or racist or whatever you want to call it. And her kind of like telling of the story was that he, uh, like an attack, he threw the flag down in between scenes and, he's a racist so they had to have this very weird um thing where he in and he was like you know if i apologize to her that's me admitting i'm racist and i'm not i'm not a racist so i'm not going to do that uh and if so his, his compromise was like just leaving because he didn't want to deal with it and right. and they're like we'll prove we're not racist hire the black guy and so then i i came in <laughs> and, like and i was there for them Yes, uh, that was that was my job, um, and so I was there for a year, and then I did uh, main stage for a year. And then came that's cool. Yeah. Wow, that's a lot. Like, uh, so do you consider yourself more like sketch and improv than you do 
like anything else? No, I'd say I'm more stand-up than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, It might be the only child in me. It might be the, (laughs) you know, the whatever. I just, I I don't mind being in group dynamics or whatever, um, but it can be daunting. Like sometimes, like I said, I just like being alone. Mm -hmm. And uh, with Second City, like Turco, for example, you're in a van with five people all the time. And some of them might be your best friends. Some of them you might have a burning hatred for. Um, oh, no. Yeah. So it, it, it you know, it, it can, it can get kind of wonky um, in regard to that. And, and with, with main stage, we had shows six out of seven nights a week. Um, so again, it's like having to see people and sometimes mm-hmm. your ideologies or your whatever's might not mix and, you find yourself arguing backstage and then having to go be silly in front of people. So. <laughs> now you have to be funny. Uh, that's interesting. I feel like also like when you do stand up, you don't have to depend on anyone else to like do the work. Yeah. Just, if I fail, it's me failing. Yeah. That's really nice. But also like, do you feel a little bit more self-conscious when you're doing stand up? Cause if people don't like a sketch, you can always blame it on someone else. But what, if people don't like, your stand-up, they don't like you as a person. Does <laughs> that, like, hurt more, or you're, like, better <laughs> with that? You're like, that's cool. I'm into that. I never see it like that. So I always say I prefer to watch someone fail at stand-up um, as, a pros- as opposed to, like, failing at improv, because if someone fails at stand-up, it's going to go one of two ways, right? Like, oh, my God, this guy is bombing. He, he knows he's bombing, so he's going to be like, oh, man, this sucks. And he, he might leave the stage early. He might just talk about it or try to power through, which he shouldn't. Um, <laughs> which he uh, should have left. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, uh, you know, he has no awareness that he's terrible. Or she. There's a lot of, every, anyone can be bad at comedy. Anyone can bomb. <laughs> anyone can bomb. If you do it, even just one night, you'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so you'll, you know, you'll have that kind of, dynamic of like oh man uh this person is delusional and they're still they're still like chopping away whereas like an improv group if they suck and it's it's like watching seven adults try to fix something and not (laughs) know like who's supposed to come in and do it Mm -hmm. and it's and, and there's so much like weird energy already about improv because again it's like it's it's fucking 30-year-old white dudes who paid thousands of dollars to be, like, pretend they're in a rowboat and talk about Trump. Like, that is, <laughs> like, every improv scene I've seen in the past, you know, year or so. Yeah, that's true. I, I feel like this is something that has come up with a lot of the people that I've interviewed already, where it's, like, improv versus, like, stand-up or whatever. And, like, since you're kind of, like, you've done both of them, like, how do you feel about that? Do you, like, I just hate improv like I just I don't like doing it I'm bad at it it's not their fault that I'm not good at it but I also don't like watching it because it is just 30 year old men that played thousands of dollars to pretend they're in a rowboat (laughs) like talking about Trump that part talking about Trump that part's very important um I you know I'm kind of divided on the war between improv and (laughs) stand-ups I I've always seen it more so as like stand-ups hate improvisers because uh 
like the aforementioned delusional guy in stand-up, if you multiply that person and they're all doing uh this is my Midwestern accent. And that's, you know, you're going to, you're going to hate having to sit through that. Oh God, that's um, right. Yeah. So I, that is I, it. Yeah. And, and I, I think with like improvisers don't necessarily hate standups. And I think that's why so many improvisers try stand up. <laughs> um, that's because they have friends. They don't yeah. need bitterness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I think it's, it's kind of that. And so I, I'm, I'm neutral in the war. If I mm-hmm. had to choose a side, I guess I would pick stand up. Um, and I would, I would use a, uh, a, a improvised sword to do my battle. Uh, oh, that is breaking the rules. And as a, as a stand-up myself, I refuse to yes and it. I, I thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> you get a no but. Instead, you get a light. That's what you get. Oh. <laughs> um, all right. Well, then, so, like, where are you now? Like, what's your – if you felt like you – were completely successful in what you're trying to do what would you be doing oh like if i like if you're if if something were to happen in your career where you were like this is it this is what i've been working towards this is exactly what i want to do um i think writing writing my own show would be the um kind of uh, what's the word i'm looking for the the that'd be the thing for me mm-hmm. of like oh okay I'm doing well I, I got my show out there that I wanted like having a show that's on tv and you know I, I don't have to be in it I don't give a shit about like it's me you know I just want to write and produce a show um that resonates with people and that's funny or sad or whatever um I think for me that would be kind of the 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 idea of making it and my my mom would say like oh I can't wait for you to win an Emmy, all right you know so I guess that I'll win an Emmy so she'll so stop doing yeah but then she's like where's the second relatable to say yeah yeah that's awesome so like what are you doing what are you doing right now like what are you working on now especially now uh, that we're like trapped inside of our own houses yeah I, I've been doing a lot of writing um, working on a couple of screenplays. Uh, one I came up with today, I, I, I probably shouldn't spoil it, but, uh, it's called Blood Moon. So I, I went to this, uh, I went to this Q&A where, uh, this, this guy, he directed Bliss in, uh, VA or VA, VA, VAW, something like that. But, um, he said that the next movie he wants to do is a werewolf movie. And my, my gears started turning of like, dude, what would be like, what's a cool version of a werewolf movie that not been done before and it kind of popped into my head early this morning of uh a a woman who gets bitten by a werewolf and every time she has her period she turns into a werewolf (laughs) (laughs) fantastic that's what i always thought like i wait i think it's vampires that are supposed to be like syphilis but like i always thought werewolves were just like an allegory for your period yeah like, I always assumed that that's what that was, you know, just once a month, you're covered in blood. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, very surprised to see how many stories are very male-centric on that, but maybe it's about, like, trying to convince Girl, guys, like, this is what it would be like. <laughs> my toxic environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that, so that, and then a few, like, side projects and stuff, um, 
uh, as far as like te- like a couple of pitch decks I've been working on and trying to do something with that. And uh, one thing for a buddy who has he's like commissioned me to write a script for him. So. Oh, that's cool. So where yeah. are you in the process of like trying to like are you are you just writing now um for like that commission thing and like to try and like pitch things or like are you going to submit them to um festivals or like where are you kind of in that process and like how also like i have no idea about any of this so like if you do like how are you approaching this uh some things i will send in to contests uh depending on how i don't say strongly i feel about them but like some things I'm like, yeah, you know, if this loses, I won't feel bad. Mm. Um, and some things I'm like, I'm going to keep this one close to the chest until I can make it the absolute best possible thing. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I, I feel like a lot of the projects I would love to, you know, get to the right person so they can see it as opposed to doing the contest route. But I try at least once or twice a week, maybe, to finish something that I can submit to whatever competition or contest or. That kind oh of wow, thing. that's a lot. Yeah. Um, have you ever submitted for those like with the writing fellowships for TV writing and that kind of stuff? I have, and have never gotten in. Oh, I feel yeah. like those are competitive, and also I have a feeling that you have to like kind of know the people who are picking thing people out probably a little bit. I know some of them do it anonymously, so it doesn't end up being that. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I, I've submitted to the Sesame Street one two or three times, the Nickelodeon one several times. Um, I think the NBC one a couple times. Uh, I feel like that's probably like so many people have to be submitting to those things because it's the only way to get in where it's just like open, right? Yeah, pretty much. It's crazy. Yeah. I wonder, I want to know how people who have to read scripts feel about script writers sending them in. I'm sure that they also are like, some of them bomb and some of them are delusional, just like in, <laughs> just like we were just talking. Well, it, it is funny too. So I got a uh, IMDb Pro during the, like I've, I've, wait, I've spent stupid money, like shit that I should not, like I should be hoarding any money that I earn. Um, but I, I got an IMDb pro like, all right, if I can just get this to the right person. <laughs> so I, so it was kind of the same thing of, I, I wrote these two scripts for, uh, Reno 911, which got, um, Nick renewed on Quibi, which is good for them. I, I had Quibi for like three days and. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I still don't understand it really. Like, it's, is it like TikTok for famous people? Like, I don't get it. No, it's, uh. It's like mini TV shows that are all about ten minutes, and mm. or five to ten minutes. Like they, so they do. Um, what was it? Uh, punk. They do oh, punk okay. on there. Yeah, but it's it's just like a five minute segment of punk, and like oh okay cool, and then all right. Like, so or, it's YouTube. Yeah, it's basically YouTube. It's YouTube, but you can only watch it on your phone. So it's a web and, series, but less accept less accessible. Yes. Yes. And I, I, I don't like having to sit there like this for however many hours. So I was like, okay, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and unsubscribe to this. But um, I wrote like two Reno sketches and I was like, oh my God, I wonder if this can, if anything can happen with this. And I, I sent it to one of the people on the show and then like a bunch of their 
managers and agents. I didn't hear anything back. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm, I'm either crazy or, <laughs> you know, or they just aren't going to respond to a complete stranger. So. Yeah, that seems reasonable. Yeah. Man, I miss web series. I feel like in the early, like, 2010s, people were all about, like, web series on YouTube. And now I feel like no one's really doing that. Yeah, um, I, I think because people, they their hope is to go ahead and present their shit for, uh, for TV. Like, all right, I'm not going to put this on YouTube because it'll be blah 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 blah. And then it's, you know, right. Ends up so pe- the people that are were good at it that were making web series then now are just like I could probably sell this to Netflix. Yeah. And I think a lot of people put stuff on Instagram now. Like, there's so many different avenues. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so a lot of that. How do you feel about that kind of stuff? Would you ever? Are you a big video maker person, or are you more like no? I I try. I I think my issue is consistency. Mm -hmm. Um. So you'll you'll notice like the people who are successful on YouTube, successful on Instagram, successful on TikTok, all that they always have something out like at a certain time and a certain day. So their, their fans or their audience uh, come to understand like, okay, I know that Flippy Dicks or whatever his name is uh, every Tuesday at 9 PM, he's going to have a new video out. Uh, And I, I think I tried that like twice where I made of like one of those, like here's, here are my thoughts blog kind of videos. And it Mm. just felt so cheesy. So I I don't know. I, 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 I wish I could, uh, but I I think I'm too internally tortured to allow myself to, to like, just talk, and then here's this, like, and subscribe. And here's below. the, yeah, yeah, that's true. How do you feel about, like, so do you feel, like, okay emotionally now, or are you still, like, in the mode where you're like, mm, I never really processed that, and then you're just still working or did you work through some stuff or did you did that ever show up in some of the stuff that you're making um yeah actually so i meant i mentioned earlier about like kind of like i pushed so many people away when my dad died uh uh, like my conversations with my mom changed anyone i dated i just like i never was mean or like i'm I'm not the type of like you bitch like yelly type of dude like i don't Mm -hmm. That seemed, that's, those guys are always crazy to me. Um, and they still exist somehow. Uh, <laughs> They're still out there. Still out there. I've, I've seen them. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I would fuck around a lot. And I think that was my, my big deal. It was, you know, trying to learn how to be a faithful partner in a lot of relationships. You were a fuck boy? I was a fuck boy. <laughs> I, was, I was a big time fuck boy. And... <laughs> And I, you know, it's not to make excuses or anything, but I think a lot of it did come from, did come from that trauma and did come from like kind of hearing people I looked up to give it the okay of like, yeah, you, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're getting popular. You should do that. Like they should expect it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm a constantly uh, guilt ridden person (laughs) as is. So imagine constantly cheating on someone you love and then just feeling bad about <laughs> all the time but like not really you know one of those things of where people put themselves in a shitty cycle and don't do anything about it mm-hmm. and uh so I think it was it was a lot of that and 
And, you know, I, I got called out for my shit, which was good. Right. And, but it, it helped, it changed. Um, so I, you know, I, I was like, okay, maybe I, I need to learn to be single because it was, a, I, what I realized is I was scared to be alone just at any moment. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't like being by myself with my own thoughts or with my trauma or with my, you know, the ideas of I'm not home enough or, you know, my dad died or this person died or, I should have, you know, had a better relationship with that person, whatever. And um, that, you know, it, it, it piled up and I was like, I had a nervous breakdown at Second City and, uh, and like was throwing up and crying and all this stuff. And it was, it was brutal. And I was, wow. like, suicidal. Yeah, I was like suicidal for a little bit when I moved here. Um, and I, it, thank God for Zoloft. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what that was like literally my saving grace I think <laughs> um so if, yeah if it wasn't for that and just kind of learning to be okay with being alone and uh learning just how to respect people more yeah um and and figuring out where that lack of respect came from um and how it was more so integral to me and me being me not liking myself so I had to learn to like myself and had to learn that not everyone's going to like me. And, and I think that was kind of the saving grace in achieving a lot of things. But I, I wrote a lot about all that shit about like the breakup and about cheating and, you know, all that. Um, Cause I, I think it, you know, for a lot of people, it, it comes from somewhere mm-hmm. either good or bad. So. Was that comedy that you wrote or did you just sort of like write things to like, go through it everything uh all of it yeah so my my therapist uh had me do an excerpt the the weird one was like she she had we were in a therapy session and she had like a teddy bear that was just you know sitting in a chair she was like i want you to pretend that's your ex-girlfriend and tell her (laughs) i was like what Uh, you know all right She's like, come on, you're an improviser. Do it. Let's see. Okay, you're you're in a boat. Uh, <laughs> you're. Can I can I get a location? Applebee's. Got it. Can I get a character? Your ex girlfriend. Perfect. <laughs> now tell her how you felt at the time. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, also funny because my, my therapist was very um, what's the word like astroplanial or whatever of like so there was one time she had me close my eyes and they had this in, like she had this incense and stuff going and I was Ooh, she was to, crunchy yeah so I had to like uh mind uh <laughs> see my ex and, and she was like yeah she'll she'll hear this she'll feel this so I was like sitting in this chair with my eyes closed having to talk out loud it was very bizarre did um, that work for you <laughs> No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I don't, you know, I, I think that sometimes when you seek closure, a lot of it is realizing that the, sometimes the closure is not having closure. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one ex told, tell, so I sent this one ex, this long email, like uh, with this apology, like genuine apology of like, dude, you were great. It was me. I'm so sorry. Blah, 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 blah. blah. And she was like, uh, you need to learn to be okay with the fact that I hate you. I I have a right to hate you. Ooh, you have to yeah. Okay yeah. And that stuck with me 
in in such a way of like, okay, that is fair. And and for me, I think I growing up just wanted to be liked so bad mm-hmm. that uh, seeing that email coupled with having people just be like, I don't fuck with that guy. I hate him because, you know, he cheated on my friend or whatever, you know, or right. just maybe in, maybe in a fuck way. Uh, you know, it, I still wanted to fix it so bad and be like, no, I'm, I'm not. But, I'm good now. <laughs> yeah, but it's not, it's not up to them. You know, I think ultimately that's what I learned. And that's kind of what I write a lot about in stand-up and with, uh, you know, uh, certain scripts and stuff like that of characters who, like, I'm, I'm always uh, a big fan of redemption arcs. Um, and, you know, sometimes even in, in the midst of your search for redemption, there are going to be people who are like, fuck you, fuck your redemption, and yada, yada, yada. And you just have to say, all right, well, you know, I tried with that yeah. person. I'm not going to let that deter me or make me go back. Because that's the, you know, that's some people's goal is to make you be the piece of shit they want you to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you're, you know, the best you can do is be better than that. Yeah. It's like you, you get to hate me, but also like, I don't have to keep being the person that you hate, that kind of thing. Yeah. You can hate me, but I'm, I'm not going to hate me. Yeah, that's good. But so you're more comfortable with that now. Has that come out in your performance too? Where it's like, you're just like, do you care less, I guess, if people like you when you're on stage? Or were you always just kind of like, well, fuck it? No, I used to, and I think that was the issue, was I used to want to be so likable. Because that that was like, you know, kind of what was ingrained in me of like, you have to be likable Mm -hmm. in order to succeed in comedy. And so I was kind of like, very hokey and like singing songs and shit like that and you know uh, it's not there was nothing wrong with that style it it worked it got me a lot of stuff um Mm -hmm. but I think internally I was very conflicted because I wanted to talk about you know uh uh getting my ass eaten or getting chlamydia or or you know uh any of that are just being like "Mm, those aren't likable yeah (laughs) no one likes to hear that no right that's yeah uh but there, there's gonna be someone who's like yeah i've gotten chlamydia before and so it's gotta be <laughs> for that person sometimes it's for you <laughs> yeah that's funny yeah i mean do you feel like your do you feel like your stand-up got better after that or are you just personally more satisfied by it i think both yeah uh, yeah i think it's my stand-up's a lot more honest now mm-hmm. and a lot more real and a lot like i don't mind talking about failing uh both in a career or a life sense um i don't mind talking about being diagnosed with depression and anxiety and ptsd uh i don't mind talking about like i'm I'm, i feel like i'm one of the few people who moved to la and gained weight like that's (laughs) and i saw a friend of mine said that to me like she saw me in a commercial and she was like "Ooh, he's a chunky boy now (laughs) like you don't have to tell it to me too but you didn't have to say that to my face like that <laughs> yeah like i'm trying not to be uh but thanks now i'm gonna not eat this weekend <laughs> hey that's that's la lifestyle in a nutshell hell yeah you're making it <laughs> making it i'm doing it you're doing it baby <laughs> starving yourself and getting a sunburn that's la <laughs> yeah well i don't have to worry about the sunburn part <laughs> well if you stay outside long enough i'm sure you can 
I believe in you. Thank you. That's, <laughs> a, that's a true goal, skin cancer. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then my next hour is me talking about beating skin cancer. There you go. Perfect. Men don't wear sunscreen. So you're all going to get sun, skin cancer. That's, that's the moral. Yeah. That's, if, if anyone gains anything from this episode, I hope <laughs> it's that every man. <laughs> every man out there thinks that he's not going to get a sunburn and they're all getting skin cancer. It's, uh, it's, it transcends race. Yeah. It's all about the tips of your ears. It's the way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, great. Well, that's pretty much all. Like, do you have anything that like you wish that you had talked about or like that you want to plug right now? Um, I don't want to plug. I don't know, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Martin M. Morrow. Uh, check, check in on your, your people. Make sure everyone's happy. Check on your friends. <laughs> yeah. Even your crazy ones. Okay, that's it. That was the interview. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcasting service you use so you don't miss the next episode. I update every Wednesday. Follow me on social media at Downhill Pod, or if you want to email me, maybe you have some comments, maybe you want to be on the podcast, send an email to alldownhillpodcast at gmail.com. This is all going to be in the show notes. Make sure to follow Martin on social media at Martin M. Morrow. Bye. <laughs>